Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Hey, it's great to see you. Hey, one of the things I want to encourage you, and I want you to think about this. Um, it's always exciting to hear you guys sing. Um, I don't know that last song, if you know anything about Scripture and what takes place, but that's one of the things that we're going to be singing uh, when we do get to heaven, and it kind of just gave me goosebumps, and uh, the hair on my arms kind of stood up just a little bit, uh, just to hear you guys echo that, because that's the reality of what we will do forever and ever uh, in his presence, to be able to worship and celebrate our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to be starting in verse 10, and i got to clarify, if you've been here for eight years, you've probably heard me talk about this verse in the past, because this is my favorite verse in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, as a matter of fact, my old iPad, which is now deceased, um, had it engraved on the back. My wife had it engraved when she got it for me, um, and it said Ephesians 3, 10, and 11. Um, so if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 3, starting in verse 10, would you stand with me as we read God's word? It says this, and you can follow along. If you don't have a Bible, you'll be able to follow along on the screen. His intent, that's God. Paul is writing this text, and he's writing to the church at Ephesus, and he's talking about God, and he says this. His intent was that now... Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, or through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may have a seat. I want you to think about this when we talk about this. Have you ever paid to be a part of a program or maybe a club or an event or maybe even a fraternity or sorority? Um, at one point when I was a youth pastor, I was joking with one of the kids who left our youth ministry and he became a part of a, 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 a is it fraternities or for guys? Okay, I got to make sure I was never a part of it. Sorry. He became part of a frat house. And I said... <laughs> Joking around, now you have to understand, youth pastor joking with his teenagers that he's basically had for six years. I said, oh, so you're paying people to be your friends, huh? And he goes, that's not at all how it works. And I was like, my bad, sorry, dude. But it was just one of those things I look at. But I want you to think about this. When we talk about how all of this plays out, because over the last couple years, we have a desire or have seen the desire for most people for years and centuries to belong to something, to belong to a part of family, to be a part of something bigger than themselves. We feel like we want to be or do or accomplish things. We want to be a part of something that makes a difference. And when we can do it together, it brings so much more satisfaction and joy. 
But over the past few years, we've seen people come together to stand, and I want you to think about this, to stand against equality, inequality, sorry, to call for change, to protest various things in our society, and recently, honestly, over the last couple days, to stand in solidarity behind the death of one of our own police officers here in the city of Independence. See, that's the reality of what it means to belong. You know, it's the idea of belonging to a cause that's bigger than themselves. And so over the next couple weeks, we started it last week, we're covering what we call our vision statement. Our mission statement is this, and I will say this, and we, we will live by this as long as I'm the pastor of the church. Our mission statement is to take life in Christ to our neighbors and the nations. And here's what's crazy about that. Matter of fact, this, this, just yesterday I was reading, uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas posted something. We're getting the first Afghan refugee family of what they said now will be 550 in the city of Kansas City. And people can have your opinions about where you're at politically and things like that. You know what I look at and say? That's God bringing the nations to the United States to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that hopefully someday somebody will be raised up within there that we will have an Afghan church right here in the city of Kansas City. That's the way God works. And so last week we talked about this idea of why should I believe in Christ? Why should I put my faith in him? Why do I need to have faith? Why is Jesus the only way? And then this week we're going to talk about why should I belong to a church? Why do I need to be a part of it? Why do I need to be a person who contributes? And I think the reality is this. Based upon what we see in scripture is that when I belong to a church, I am part of God's family, I am part of God's bigger picture plan, and I can't do it on my own. You know, I grew up playing baseball, I played baseball even in college, and the last I checked, it takes nine guys to play a baseball game. Well, actually, it takes 18, sorry. But it takes nine guys on your team performing to play the game. If you've ever tried to play baseball, and you know what I'm talking about. You can't be the pitcher and the catcher. Unless you're fast. Maybe Flash, you know. Like go old school. Flash could, could come out, show up. Maybe he'd throw the ball and catch it. But I don't know if he runs as fast or throws as fast as he runs. He doesn't have a chance of that. But it takes nine people on a team to compete against another team. And football is the same way. It takes 11 on 11, or if you're in Wyoming, where I'm from, sometimes we got six on six or eight on eight. Get into some of those small towns in Wyoming where there's nobody, and they literally have six on six, and they'll have like 800 yards of offense in a game. Well, heck yeah, because you're playing a 100-yard field with only 12 people. But I also have seen, and we have seen and experienced over the last year, we have seen people who have gone into a shell, who have withdrawn from relationships, who have stopped coming, not just to church, but have stopped taking part in the things within our society that make life meaningful, and it's called relationships. I'll be honest with you, I don't care where you stand politically, but if you think that I would have stayed away from my parents who might have been sick as a result of COVID, you got another thing coming. Because family and relationships is always more important than anything else. And I don't care where you stand or where you line up. And I, I know that there are different areas and things to think about. But listen, over the last year and a half to two years, we have seen the degradation of our society into a class warfare system and an attempt to separate people. 
whether it's vaccine shot, race and political persuasion, right is wrong, wrong is right. What we have seen over the last two years is the degradation of our society as a result of the collapse of relationships, a lack of trust. Listen, we have seen more emotional breakdowns. We have seen more psychological breakdowns. We have seen more violence. We have had an uptick in the amount of marriage and domestic abuse responses and and problems within our society. And listen, matter of fact, last year, if you are a person who struggles with the emotional breakdown and, and maybe you deal with emotional problems, I would encourage you to go back online and listen to our What Lies Beneath sermon series where we addressed some of the emotional things that we have to deal with as Christians as well. It's not the fact that we're going to deny or walk away from, but it's the truth of the matter that we get to the heart of what is creating my emotional problem, what is creating my spiritual breakdown, what is creating my emotional breakdown, and get to that heart of the matter so I can live in in the fullness of what Jesus has called me to do. So here's my big statement, and I know there are quite a few that are new or have been new over the last month or so, but I want to encourage you with this. I will say this. If you remember anything, remember this. Here's my statement. The church is a relational movement of God that makes known God's wisdom, grows in love, and experiences God's power. That is the church. The church is a relational movement of God that makes known God's wisdom, grows in his love, and experiences God's power. You guys remember the old statement? If you grew up in church, you heard this thing right here, right? And again, forgive me for those who have been here for eight years. Here is the, here is the, open the door, Oh, hogwash, it's a bunch of junk. This ain't the church. This is the church. This is a building. So hear me out cautiously, because you may be the Sunday school teacher that taught that, right? And listen, I was right there with it. But this is not the church. This could all fall down and go away. The church in Afghanistan realizes what the church really means when they are on the run for their life And they realize the relational connection. So why do I need to belong to a church? Here's the reason why. Because the church is a relational movement of God. God works through the relationships within the church to make his wisdom known and to grow us in his love and for us to experience God's power, listen, together. So you can look at your neighbor and you can say, you can't do it alone. You can do that. You can't do it alone, can you? We need to understand the truth behind this. So here's the question today. Why belong to the church? Number one is this. The church is God's plan. I love what he says in verse 10. And I told you this is my favorite verse. At some point, when you come into my office, I'm gonna have a big canvas picture that Maria has created for me whenever I save my money up and get it printed off. But it's gonna be a big canvas picture that she created with some pictures that's awesome that says this right here. His intent. What does that mean? What it means is that God had a plan from the get-go. If I have intentionality behind everything I do, then that means I have a plan of what I'm going to do. When I walk into a circumstance or situation with an intent, I know that I'm going to attempt to do something in that situation. And this is what God says, no matter where we're at. His intent, his plan from the get-go was the church. So God, in other words, had a plan. And as you think about that, what we have to understand is that attention is everything. God wants us to experience life and life more abundantly, but we often try and do that apart from his way. 
And listen to me when I say this, that when we try to withdraw from the church, we begin to understand that we're not going to experience the life more abundantly that Jesus has for us. Why? Because the church is the bride of Christ. I love it when people say, oh yeah, I love Jesus, I follow Jesus, but I'm not going to church. Okay. That'd be like someone coming up to me and saying, man, I love you, Brian, but I hate your wife. Well, bro, we're not going to be on good talking terms. Like, you don't like my wife? We're going to have to sit down and have a conversation. Because there's obviously some issues there. And so as we begin to think through this thing, that this is God's intention. Listen, God is not surprised by what's taking place in society. He's bigger than any one party. He's bigger than any one person. He's bigger than any one struggle, difficulty, or situation. When the going got tough in the last few years, there were so many who were quick to abandon the church and say, I'm good with the online version. And please hear me out. It's okay to be online and to join people online, but you need relationships. You need the connection with other believers to help hold you accountable, to lift you up, to strengthen you. When you walk through a difficult storm in life, the best people you can go to are the people who have God's wisdom and can point you in the right direction. And sometimes, listen, even as a pastor, it's nice to have somebody come up and go, hey, pastor, I'm going to stomp on your toes and call you out on something. And those are the things we have to begin to understand. Why? Because the church is God's plan from the get-go. See, there are many people who think the local church is irrelevant to their Christian witness. When the truth of the matter is, the local church is relevant to your Christian witness. Because the local church is the very thing, keeping in mind that it's a relational movement of God. And so we have to understand, why should I belong to a church? Because it is the relational movement that God uses to connect with people. See, think about it this way. The value of the cause you belong to and serve in comes from the truth behind the cause. It's not in what you believe about the cause or in the, emotionals, in the emotions built up and leading out in the cause, but it's only based upon the truth behind the cause. So you're gonna hear it said like this. We talk about our mission statement, taking life in Christ to our neighbors and the nations. And then we're going to say it like this. We want to accomplish that by leading people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, to belong to a cause bigger than themselves, that cause being the church. Last I checked, and here's the crazy thing, the church is bigger than Brian Grout, the church is bigger than the church at Three Trails, the church is bigger than every local church here in Independence, the church is bigger than every church in the state of Missouri, the church is bigger than, because the church is the bride of Christ. And it's all of us coming together, aligning, listen, aligning my life upon the truth of God's word and living out in obedience to what he has called me to live out. So listen, the value of the cause you belong to and serve in comes from the truth behind the cause, not in your emotions or beliefs behind it, but solely in the truth behind it. So why belong to the church? Because the church is God's plan. And listen, here's what's crazy about it. His intent was that now. I always lay this out. Now is what? Now, right? It's like timeless. Like Paul's writing this to the church at Ephesus, and Paul's like, hey, his intent was now. And you're like, well, well that was like 2,000 years ago. Yep, guess what? Now is now, right? It's the never-ending, timeless word that says, like, if I tell my son, I want you to do something now, what's that mean? Oh, Dad, I'll wait. I'll wait till next week. 
In his mind, yes, that's what, right? Or my daughters even say, boy, I want you to do this now. What? No, I can wait till next week. No, no, it's now. I want you to get it done now. There's a reason why. And so his intent was now through the church. Listen to what happens. And here's where we get into this. The church is a relational movement of God that makes known God's wisdom. So his intent was now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it says this, that the wisdom of God is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those of us who are saved, it is Christ on the cross. That is the wisdom of God. And so what is the role of the church? The role of the church is to be a relational movement of God that presents or stands on the truth of God's word and declares the wisdom of God, which is Christ crucified and Christ resurrected so that I can have life and life more abundantly. And so why belong to a church? Why? Because it's God's plan. And in God's plan, he wants us to communicate and stand on and let people know the wisdom of God. And it says wholeheartedly in 1 Corinthians that we have to understand that some are going to follow foolish ways. They're going to say, well, that's crazy. That's foolish. Christ on the cross, no way. But it is the power and the wisdom of God. Number two, why belong to the church? Because the church grows together in God's love. Listen to what it says in verses 16 and following. I pray that out of his glorious riches, whose glorious riches is he talking about? Yeah, Jesus' glorious riches, God's glorious riches. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. This is what he's saying, that we are strengthened by who? Jesus. That out of his glorious riches, he will give us the strength we need to listen, to face every difficulty, every trial, every temptation, every struggle, every problem that we can overcome every death, that we can overcome the the mountains that we look at that might be before us, that we say it's impossible to overcome these things, that we can overcome those through Jesus Christ. So listen, as God works in the lives of us as believers, then we are strengthened with power through his spirit. And listen, Christ dwells in our hearts. We are rooted and established in love and we experience God's power together. As a matter of fact, Back in December, I preached a sermon series, and I said this was my prayer for this next year. And my prayer was this, and it was built off of, for those of you who don't remember, it was built off of Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 20. And my prayer was this, that we as a church would experience these things together. Number one, that God would strengthen us with power through his spirit. That God would give us the boldness and the power and the strength that was evident in the early church. Number two, that we would experience God's power together. And listen, we can't experience God's power together if we're not together. If we're apart, if we try and do things on our own, if we're not connected to the body, we can't experience God's power together. And then number three, that God would do more than we could ask or imagine. And that has been my prayer. Matter of fact, for those of you who were here and we did a a, a 15 days of, or I mean 21 days of prayer and fasting, on the back of my card, I laminated that card. I'm still going through that card daily, even though that 21-day period was over. But when we did that, I wrote these three things down, and I've got it laminated, and I carry it. And every morning when I'm doing my devotional stuff, I pull that out and I look at it. Why? Because God is at work, and here's the crazy thing about the church. A church that can stand back and go, oh, we don't know what the heck's going on. 
but God's working. And all I know is that he's working in me and he's working through me. A supernatural movement, a revival taking place, and I believe wholeheartedly so often that we've tried to direct or dictate revival when revival starts internally first and then becomes a massive movement as a result of people who are automatically being revived by Jesus day in and day out. And so listen to what he says in verses 16 and following. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Listen to verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints. And listen to what he says. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. The church grows together in God's love as we get to know each other, as we help each other out, as we grow in the grace and knowledge and understanding of Scripture, as we dig into the Word, as we serve together and face trials and difficulties and struggles together. The church grows together in God's love when we face those things together. Matter of fact, we have life groups started up. If you're interested in becoming a part of a life group, all you got to do, there's a, there's a card back there. There's a scanner code. Matter of fact, for those of you who aren't technologically savvy, come see us. We'll, we'll sign you up. For those of you who have a smartphone, uh, back there you can sign up for our small groups at the, both of these tables out in our foyer area. You can sign up for our small groups. Our small group is on Sunday nights, starting tonight, 4 o'clock. We're going to be going through the book of Acts. As we go through that book of Acts, I just want you to think about, listen, the whole reason we oftentimes look at Acts and we say, I wish we could be just like that. I wish we could experience what they experienced. And here's what I always say to people. First of all, you better think about what you're requesting. Because everybody wants to see the results of Acts, in other words, the church growing, but a lot of people want to sit back and go, well, I don't want the responsibility of what happened in Acts. People were being thrown in prison. People were being persecuted and killed. Wait a second. So when you start up, and I've had people come to me, Pastor, I just want to see a movement in Acts. Okay. Like what, like what they saw in the book of Acts. All right. Are you willing to pay the price the early followers of Jesus paid to see a movement like that? Because the cost is great. The church grows together in God's love. And as we begin to understand the goodness of God's love, listen to what he says again that you could grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses, listen, knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. The reason Stephen was able to do what he was able to do in Acts 7 and 8 is because he was filled with the fullness of God. The reason we begin to see Paul boldly proclaim the gospel after a, a supernatural encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus is because he experienced the fullness of God. The reason Peter and John and some of those stood before the ruling authorities and said, we're not going to listen to you anymore, it's better for us to obey God than man, is because they experienced the fullness of God. And when we experience the love of Jesus, then we begin to experience the fullness of God. And when we do that together, we're able to accomplish so much more. Grasping and passing on the love of God together, not only within the body, but outside the body. And that's when the people outside go, man, what the heck is going on over there? Because that's completely different than anything I've ever seen. 
Listen, I've heard it over and over and over again why the church isn't a place that's relevant for most people. When the truth of the matter is, the church is the most relevant place for people to be. Why? Because we need relational connection. Why? Because we need a strong, growing faith in Jesus Christ and a love and understanding of what's going on. Why is the church relevant? Because the church is the very thing that's going to take the wisdom of God out into the culture and out into the community. And what I'm saying is that you are invited to become a part of that. I was saying before the start of church, I want a big banner outside on the church building that says, welcome home. And when I say big, I'm talking about the full length of that building outside. Because I want people to know that they're home. That you are a part of God's family. And that regardless of where you've been and what you've gone through and the difficulties and struggles, that guess what? We can come around and support each other and build each other up. Why? Because the church is God's plan. And last I checked, just as there was Paul back then, there's gonna be a Paul at some point in time that could rise up and say, look, I'm going to come after the church hard. But listen, that very person could also come into a supernatural encounter with Jesus. And it could come through one of us. It could come through us on a daily encounter or relationship with somebody else. And number three, why belong to a church? Because the experience of God's power, the church experiences God's power working in us. Matter of fact, I say it this way. The church is a body, not a building. It's an organism, not an organization. See, this is where like our government begins to think it's crazy. Here's what I would say. You know, there's a lot of talk about people out there who say, well, the church ought to be paying taxes. Great. But I can tell you this. If we have to start paying taxes, we're not going to be meeting in this building. Our taxes on this building alone would be $30,000 a year, over $30,000 a year. You know what that would require of us? To become a movement, a relational movement of God, meeting in homes, meeting wherever we would have to meet, that we could grow together. Why? Because the church is God's plan. So regardless of what the government throws before us, regardless of the difficulties and struggles we would face, that we get to experience God's power working in us. You and I were created for a role and a reason and a purpose, but you'll miss out on that if you're not connected to the living local body, the church. Matter of fact, I say it this way. Attenders in reality, are spectators from the stand. But members are a part of the team involved in ministry. It's kind of like the old statement when, I'll use the example, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl a couple of years. We won the Super Bowl. No, you didn't. They won the Super Bowl. Mike, and don't hear me, like when the Broncos won, I would do the same thing. We won the Super Bowl. I wasn't on the field. I was a spectator, and at times I wanted to chuck stuff at the TV, but I wasn't in the game, was I? And you and I are, if we're not in the game, then we're just spectators. And one thing that separates the American church from the early church is this, the fact that so many are willing to sit and not serve, the fact that so many are willing to come in and attend, but not be a part of things. See, attenders are spectators, whereas members or players are involved in the ministry of the church. And listen, here's what ends up happening when we experience God's power working in and through us. Do you realize that when the going gets tough, what's the first thing that usually ends up getting thrown to the wayside? 
It's called church attendance. And here's the crazy thing about it. It's how Satan works. Because here's what he does. Matter of fact, this last week on, on Friday, I got to go out and do a buffalo hunt in Wyoming. And buffalo, if you've ever watched buffalo, buffalo are protective by nature. But what we do in a buffalo hunt, it's a private ranch out there, and it's just like buying a cow and then having it sent to a processor. But we go out, we, we buy the buffalo, and then I get to shoot it, and then we send it to the processor. But do you know what I do or what we do is we wait for one to wander from the herd. And as they wander out away from the herd, they're kind of on the outskirts, they're by themselves. See, there's protection in the herd. Why? Because number one, I'm not shooting into the herd and damaging or trying to, or possibly killing three, four, five buffalo. You know, who knows what could happen? Or killing the wrong one. So we wait for that one to wander from the herd. And when it wanders from the herd, it begins to isolate itself. And when we isolate ourselves from relationships and from the church, what we set ourselves up for is failure. And the reason we set ourselves up for failure is because we've isolated ourselves. And please hear me out when I say this, because this happens more often than not. But when we do that, what we're doing, we think we're close. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm still close to the herd but I've wandered just away from it just a little bit. And when I wander just away from it just a little bit, what I do is I set myself up for the sharpshooter to take me down, which is Satan working through the temptations and the struggles and the difficulties I face day in and day out. And as I wander away from the herd, I get out here further and further, and then Satan lines up his shot and he takes it. But here's the crazy thing of what happens when I was out buffalo hunting. When that one goes down, do you know what buffalo do? No, they don't. They surround it. They all get around it. Buffalo's down, and they all circle up around it, and it's like, come on, who's coming? Because when Satan sets up that attack, you need believers around you who are going to stand up and go, let's go, bro. We're ready to fight. We're not doing it on our own. We're doing it through the power of Jesus because we know that Jesus can work in and through me. We're doing it this way so that we surround each other. That when we face the difficulties and struggles, the loss of a loved one, the loss of a job, maybe some trials and some struggles, maybe there are financial issues, maybe it's a, a marriage issue, maybe it's family issues, whatever it is, we need those people who are going to circle up around us and say, let's go. We're ready to battle. We're here because I know you're down. I know you're hurting. I know you're weak. I know you're feeling like you're, you're, you're dying, but listen, we're here for you. And so when it should really drive us into being committed to the church and saying, I need the church, what oftentimes is we walk away, we think, oh, my failures, oh, my difficulties, oh, my struggles, nobody wants to hear, nobody wants to deal with it, nobody, I, I, I just got to walk away. And that's exactly what Satan wants. Because when you isolate yourself out, then he pounces. He waits. If you go and watch online, like on YouTube, the water buffalo and things like that, it's no different. That, do you know what the lions do? They don't attack the herd. They go for the weak. Go online, watch videos about wolves attacking buffalo in Yellowstone. Do you know what they go after? The one that's isolated, the one that's weak, the one that doesn't have the strength to stand because it doesn't have the whole herd. It happens over and over and over again all throughout creation. And we can learn from the truth of that because that's exactly how Satan works. Satan is the wolf. Satan is the lion. Not really. I guess Jesus is the lion according to Scripture. But I mean, I want you to play that out, all right? That was bad. 
<laughs> All right. But I want you to think about that. So listen, you become a Christian by believing and committing yourself to Jesus, but you become a church member by committing yourself to a group of believers. The first decision brings salvation. The second de- de- decision brings fellowship and strength in numbers. That's why we need the church. Because again, think about this way. What if this building disappears? We're still a church. What if the government cracks down on churches and say you can't meet? We're still a church. We may not meet publicly in a building like this, but we could darn sure go underground. It's happening in China. It's happening in Afghanistan. It's happening in the Middle East. It's happening in Thailand. These churches have gone underground, and they're growing like crazy. So why belong to a church? Because we need the church. And listen, here's what I want to say as we wrap up this statement. Listen to what he says in verse 20. Now to him who is able to do what? Immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Listen to what he says, though. According to whose power? His power. His power working in me. His power working through me. His power fueling me. His power being the very thing that guides me and directs me and leads me under every struggle, every trial, and every temptation. He can do more than we can ask, listen, what you could pray about or even imagine him doing. Matter of fact, I'll I'll use it this way. Eight years ago, in March, I came here to pastor a group of 20 individuals in a church called Beverly Hills Baptist Church. And I'll be honest with you, I was scared to death. Because I'm like, God, this is like a supernatural work. I don't know what it's going to look like. I had pastors tell me I was stupid. I was committing career suicide. It'd be easier to go start a brand new church than to try and change an old one. And I'll be honest with you, that's kind of how I felt. Matter of fact, to the point where my wife told me, you're Jonah. <laughs> how you like that when your wife calls scripture out on you and you're like, what, woman? Don't be telling me my business, (laughs) right? But when she's like, you're Jonah. You're running from what God's calling you to do. See, God has so much more for us together than when we are individually isolated and alone. Matter of fact, when we're individually isolated and alone, we're doomed for struggle. But rather, the strength of the church, listen, is built upon the strength of our relationships First with God, then with each other. Do you get that point? The strength of the church is always built upon the strength of our relationships. First with God, then with each other. Because as my relationship with God grows, then my interactions with those I both love and those that I don't agree with completely change. As a matter of fact, those that I just said I don't agree with, some may sit back and say, you know what? Hate's a pretty good word that I'm kind of thinking right now. We begin to look and say, they're just a person who doesn't know Jesus. So I can love them with grace and truth, and I can treat them as a servant of Jesus Christ and know that they are doomed to destruction if they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so the call for us is for us to not be isolated, but to be together, growing in our relationship with God first, and second of all, growing in our relationship with others. So my question today is this, 
where do you belong? Now, of course, I'm the pastor of this church, so I would say, here. But I want you to know this, and I always have believed this, that I know not every church is for everybody. And so you may say, you know what, that's great, pastor, but, you know, I'm not really quite committed to to being a part of that yet. That's fine. Take your time. But what I would say is don't take long. Find a place that you can connect with other believers in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ where you can serve and pour out everything that goes on in your life. Because Jesus wants to grow you day in and day out in your, your, your daily devotional life. But listen to me. Here's, here's the biggest thing that I believe. Sunday is an overflow of what goes on Monday through Saturday. Sunday is not the day that I come in and get recharged. And for some of you, Sunday is the day you get recharged. And here's the reason why. Because Monday through Saturday is null and void. It's absent. And since Monday through Saturday is null and void and absent, you're in reality living out your faith through other people. Maybe the pastor, maybe a Bible study leader, or a life group leader, or anything else like that. But what you get out of Sunday is a result of what you put in Monday through Saturday. Yes, Sunday should be an encouragement. Sunday should be a filling. Sunday should be a challenge. Sunday should be a revealing of God's truth through his word. Sunday should be the conviction of the spirit poured down upon me as I wrestle with the text. Listen, Sunday can't be the only thing. It takes more. And I believe it takes you connecting to the body. I want to give you a last thing as we kind of close with this. On October 10th, we're starting back up what we call trailhead. Trailhead, if you know anything about hiking and things like that, is the very start of the trail. And we have a discipleship pathway that we've worked on trying to set up and things like that. But trailhead is the beginning where we communicate to you a person who says, hey, look, I'm interested in the church, but I'm not sure how committed or what you're calling me or asking me or requesting me to do. On October 10th, following the service, we'll have a lunch. You can stick around. You can get free lunch. You'll hear more about our church. And you can sign up by doing that. You can do it on the connection card, placing the offering plate at the end. You can let us know at the end of the service, hey, I want to be there. But we want you to be connected. And I believe the only way to get connected is to get to know people. And when I get to know people, I begin to build that relationship. And when I begin to build that relationship, I begin to be an integral part of what's going on in the church. Because hear me out when I say this. Independence is just like every other city around the United States right now. We need a desperate, massive move of Jesus across our city. We need lives to be changed. We need marriages to be reformed and and rebuilt. We need homes and families to be restructured and upheld. We need the truth of God more and more and more in our city. But it takes all of us together, belonging to a cause, the church, that's so much bigger than just me. And it's so much bigger than the church at Three Trails. Because I believe God is at work. And we can look at the last two years and we could say, man, look at the difficulties and struggles. Or we can look at the last two years and go, God, thank you for your faithfulness. Because we know you're at work. 
We oftentimes, or maybe we can't see all of it, but he is working in a great way. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness and your hope. We thank you for Jesus' death on the cross that purchased us, that bought us, that redeemed us, that, the, that scripture tells us that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. God, we thank you for the good news that Jesus did not stay dead, but he rose again. And God, he offers us life and life more abundantly. And Father, we also realize that that life comes in relationship with other believers. And so, Lord, we pray that you would use us, you would use three trails in a mighty way here in the city of Independence. God, I pray for the gathering. I pray for Grace Church. I pray for Life Connection. I pray for Church of the Four Corners. I pray for, for Susquehanna Baptist. I pray for all of the churches. I pray for Abundant Life. I think about the churches here that are set to make an influence, to stand on the truth of your word. God, would you use us together as a faith family to see lives changed through your power and your grace. Father, maybe today there's somebody here who says, look, I just need a place to belong, a family, a place to call home. And God, maybe you're laying that upon this person's heart that today they would commit and say, I'm gonna check out Trailhead on October 10th. God, we love you. We thank you. We know you're at work, and God, we are looking for where you're at work, and we want to join you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.